today is from Genesis 24. And let us go to Genesis 24 if you have the Bible. It's a very fascinating story here. I'm going to read from Genesis 24, 1 to 27. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the older of his household, oldest of his household, he had char- who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside of the city by the wall, wall of water at the time of evening the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar and I may, that I may drink. And who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden who, whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to her and said, ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand 
and gave him a drink. And she had finished giving him a drink. She said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into a throw and ran again to the well to draw water. And she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prepared for his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels and said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bithuel, son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of both straw and fodder, and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord, and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master kinsman. So far, the reading. And let us prepare our heart for the sermon by singing Psalm 34, 2, 6, and 7. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Genesis chapter 24 tells us a well-known story. It is known as the first time that Isaac and Rebekah met each other. When I read this chapter during a dinner devotion a few years ago, I saw a title on the top of passage saying, Isaac and Rebekah. And many people love to listen the first time story, and we often hear the stories like how our parents met each other for the first time. And we love to listen to those stories, and we also like to tell our stories to our children. The passage that we just read has such a dramatic storyline. If you read carefully and think about how the story develops within the broader context, the story is very fascinating. But when I read it a few years ago, I was perplexed by this story. By looking at the story, it seems like Abraham arranged a marriage for Isaac. And I asked myself that how would I react if I were Isaac? How awkward could it be if my parents arranged my marriage? Where perhaps it's just me being too sensitive about the issue? It was hard for me to accept the story since the arranged marriage is not well welcomed by young people these days. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the arranged marriage. Well, back in the 50s, it was quite common. And today's passage actually reminds me of my grandma. And I remember, I remember my grandma told me her story that when she first time met her uh, husband, my grandpa. She said she never saw my grandpa's face until the wedding day. And her on wedding day, she was wearing a veil. I guess it was a traditional Korean wedding. The wedding begins when two parties bow, bowing down together. And then still, she was not able to see my grandpa's face. But she could see my grandpa was wearing a fancy pair of sneakers. 
At the time, of course, sneakers were very rare. You have to remember it was right after the Korean War. Not everyone has a fancy pair of sneakers. So my grandma thought that she was going to get married with a rich man, and she was very happy. And guess what? She was wrong. Later, she found out that my grandma was uh, my grandpa was borrowing the shoes for that very day. And after hearing from my grandma, I told myself that I will never be like my grandma, letting others decide whom I'm going to get married. It's too dangerous. It's like gambling. It's way too risky since I'm going to get married only once. Again, I thought myself, what are the chances of having a good relationship if a spouse is one that your parents arranged? And here it seems like Isaac became the victim of arranged marriage. And here I preach God's word with the following theme and points. The theme is, God shows his steadfast love to Abraham by listening to the servant's prayer. And we are going to look at first the content of the prayer. The second, the fulfillment of the prayer. By looking at Genesis 24, we cannot help but wonder a few things. The first, why did Abraham do that? Why did Abraham arrange marriage for his son? How would you feel if you were Isaac? Well, what if the girl is not what you wanted? Well, I guess the real question we ought to ask is that, what is the motivation or conspiracy, if you want to call it that way, behind this whole mission? Also, I was triggered by the content of the prayer. We read in verse 12 to 24, the servant prays to God when he arrived to Nahor, the content of prayer is somewhat striking. The servant says, See, I'm standing beside this spring, and the daughters of townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to young woman, Please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she said, Drink, I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one that you have chosen for your servant Isaac. Well, by this he said, by this, I know that you have shown steadfast love to my, my master. Doesn't it sound like testing God? It rather sounds, oh, Lord, God of my father, I have been waiting for all my life. I'm sick of being alone since you said man is not good to be alone. Tomorrow, I'm going to the church. And if there is a girl shaking my hand after worship service... The first girl that shakes my hand, let her be the one whom you prepare for me. Well, I know it is a bit of exaggeration. But then what about the Jephthah's oath? You know Jephthah, the, the judge? Doesn't the prayer of Abraham's servant sound like the judge Jephthah who took an oath to God? He said, if you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from Ammonites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Well, you know the story well, and you know the tragic incident that happened after his oath. Jephthah sacrificed his daughter. 
And all those prayers sound like they're attesting God. Lord, if you do such and such, I will, I will know that you're my God and I will do something in return. We also find this type of oath or prayer in Genesis 28 when Jacob was fleeing from his brother. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I will return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my Lord, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give to me, I will give you a tenth. Well, all this prayer to me sounds like forcing God to do something. If God does such and such, I will do such and such in return. This prayer sounds very selfish. How do we understand this? How could those people make such selfish prayer to God? How dare a man demand such things to God? To answer this question, we'll have to see the context and the theme which flows through the text. In Jacob's case, Jacob was fleeing from his brother Esau. Jacob had to leave his house because basically he lied and stole all the blessings from his brothers. But there's something more than that. The author of Genesis gives us another reason why Jacob had to leave. And that is written in the last verse of chapter 26. And the reason has to do with marriage. The last part of Genesis 26 says, When Esau was 40 years old, he married the Judith daughter of Beeri, the Hittites. And also Basemath, daughter of Elon, the Hittite. They were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Later on, we see Rebekah complains about those Hittites. She said, I am disgusted with, with the living because of the Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittites, women like this, my life will not be worth living. Then Rebekah convinced Isaac to send Jacob to his uncle Laban. Well, Bible doesn't say much about the Hittite woman here. Bible doesn't mention specifically why Hittite woman made Isaac and Rebekah unhappy. However, we may have some clues why Rebekah didn't like those women by looking at how Rebekah behaved to strangers and aliens. Back, back to Genesis 24, where the Abraham's servant first met Rebekah, was very dramatic. In verse 15, it says, Before he had finished prayer, before he finished saying the prayer, Look, there comes a beautiful woman with a jar on her shoulder. Bible describes her as a beautiful maiden, and she is even kind. Perhaps Hittites were not like Rebecca. Perhaps Hittites were not friendly to the aliens. And if I may carefully speculate further, perhaps Hittites were sexually immoral. And the Bible also talks about how those inhabitants, such as Canaanites, being sexually immoral. When the servant asked for the water, 
Rebecca not only gave the water to the servant, but also to the camels, running back and forth with a heavy jar. And please pay attention to what the servant did. He quietly stood there and just watched. He didn't help, but recognized how God had worked through all these. Think about it. Who would graciously give a jar of water to a stranger, someone out of town? Not only that, she also actively filled a jar for camels. And please notice the servant didn't speak a single word about his camels yet. She just actively offered her hospitality even to the animals. Not to mention the amount of water that she had to carry. The scripture tells us that the servant took 10 camels. I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can do like that to strangers. And do you remember when Abraham saw a three men coming? He ran out to welcome them in a tent. Rebecca was like Abraham. She was kind because she was a God-fearing person. And some of us may think that Rebecca's good character earned the servant's attention. It sounds like Rebecca's good attitude and good works, it is good works that made this marriage possible. In other words, Rebecca's good character deserves credit. But when you see in a big picture, you will realize that God is behind all these things with a specific purpose. That specific purpose is to preserve the line of Abraham in faith. There had been some dangerous situations that Abraham almost lost his wife. Abraham almost lost his wife to Pharaoh, Abimelech. But God always protected Abraham's family. Otherwise, Abraham could have fallen into the sin of Genesis 6 verse 2 which is getting married with an unbeliever. In Genesis 2.6, the sons of God were getting married with the daughters of earth. God is faithful to his covenant that he made sure that Abraham and his son Isaac not to go astray from the covenant by getting married with an unbeliever. In Genesis 24, God graciously gave a benevolent heart to Rebecca so that she may draw the servant's attention. And what the servant saw was not just the good attitude of Rebecca, but the fulfillment of the promise. God had promised Abraham a great nation, and he promised the land in Genesis 17. And the servant was assured that promise of the promise by seeing God's hand working in secret. Isaac will have a beautiful wife, and the promise will be fulfilled. God's people who are made in His image reflects God's grace through their good works. Our catechism talks about these good works through our godly walk of life. We may win over our neighbors. And that is what the servant saw from Rebecca. And the fulfillment of the promise was what the servant was asking for his, in his prayer. God has promised Abraham of a great nation. 
And this great nation would not be possible if Isaac did not have a wife. And after all, this event is very significant, not only to the family of Abraham, but to us also. Because Messiah was to be born through the line of Isaac. What the servant was asking was not about his interest, but the fulfillment of God's covenant promise. We have to understand all these prayers of Patrick on the basis of the promise of the land. And we read in Genesis 17, and God gave whole land of Canaan to Abraham. God gave this promise not only to Abraham, but to his descendants as well. And notice the beginning of the prayer. The servant addresses God as God of Abraham, not of his. Perhaps we can compare this with Jacob's oath. And going back to Jacob's story, the Bible says, the Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up a pillar will be God's house. Do you see the parallel here? Both Abraham's servant and Jacob saw the value of the promise of land. Jacob says, so that I return safely to my father's house. Abraham asked the servant not to take Isaac to there because he cherished the land that God have, has given to him. Abraham wanted to Isaac to live in the land because God himself gave the land to Abraham and his descendants. And that is why Abraham asked his servant not to take Isaac back there. Verse 6, the servant's prayer is and a test of drawing water reflect Abraham's request and his intention. Asking for the water was a kind of test. A test to see if the girl is the one, is the one that God had prepared for his master. A test to see whether this girl is adequate for his master Isaac. A test to see whether this girl can be a good helper for Isaac. Can she help Isaac to be obedient and to the covenant promise? It was a test to see whether the girl is humble and meek enough to render everything to her husband and to be willing to live in the promised land. That was what the servant's prayer all about. Perhaps this can be applied to us as well. If one young man or young lady wishes to get married with someone outside of the church, then it could create multiple troubles. As the covenant members, parents do have an obligation to raise their children in God's commandment. Perhaps the girl or the young boy that you're currently dating may be very cute and handsome. The boy that you're dating right now may, have, may be wearing the fancy pair of sneakers, and those things are important as well. But what if the person does not want to raise your future of children in the fear of the Lord? What if that person refused refuse to uh, baptize your baby? What if the person is not a big fan of the catechism instruction? 
What if the person is not interested in the eternal inheritance that Jesus promised? This reminds me of Jesus' teaching, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And yes, do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry that Isaac will not be happy because he didn't have any choice or he never went, to, went out for a date. In verse 67, it says, he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. The result was very good. Ask his kingdom. It all becomes happy ending. And we also know that Jacob's ending, he was tremendously blessed by God in, in number when he returned. The issue of this text is not really about whether our happiness depends on the arranged marriage or not. It depends on God's promise. Even though we sinners do not deserve God's mercy, God graciously bound himself to the promise because the servant trusted in God, trusted in the promise. He could boldly pray just like that. And so did Jacob. Even though Jacob was a liar, he was a cheater, had nothing righteous to offer to God, because of the promise, because he knew the promise, he could pray just like that. Now we are living in the days after Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, be- Jesus Christ became the fulfillment of the law. He kept all the, all the laws perfectly, and all the credits have been imputed to us. If those people in the Old Testament could draw near closer to God on account of the promise, how much more can we who are credited with the righteousness of Christ draw near to God? Therefore, brothers and sisters, ask, ask while acknowledging His promise and fulfillment by Jesus Christ. And this leads to the second point. In our text, verse 15, it says, Before he had finished, finished praying, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. It is very surprising to see how, God provide, how God's providence works. The immediate response reveals God's special hand working behind all these things. We are stuck in a time and space that we can only think about, think within the boundaries of time, time and space. When we think about this chronological order, Rebecca must, must have had left her house even before the servant began to pray. But the Lord is God who transcends time and space. God somehow mysteriously worked out so that Rebecca can appear at the place on the exact time. In verse 4, Abraham asked the servant, saying, But will go to my country and my own 
kindred and get a wife for my son Isaac. When the servant figure out that the girl is the daughter of nephew of Abraham, he must have been very surprised. And some of you probably had the same experience, similar experience by doing Dutch bingo. Perhaps the servant was very overwhelmed to see God completed his divine bingo through his providence. The servant was so amazed that he automatically fell down to worship God. We see that God God responded immediately in this case, for God knows when, when it's the best time for the servant and the Rebecca. Our prayer is also heard by God. The response may, be, may, may seem to be delayed in our eyes, but God knows the perfect time. And we also should remember that Isaac was over 40 years old when he met Rebekah. Although we may not receive an immediate response, we ought to remember God listens to our prayer. And Isaiah 65, 24 speaks as follows. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. We don't know the time which God arranged, but one thing is certain. God already had prepared Rebekah beforehand. Just as God prepared Rebekah to go to meet the servant, God already planned all the good things for, you, for your life. This comforting, comforting news applies to every aspect of your life. Your birth, your marriage, good news and bad news, all things happen according to God's plan. Yet the greatest news, the greatest plan, the amazing plan was that the Jesus Christ came to the world. Jesus came to the world just like the servant went to Nahor. Jesus had a mission like the servant did. The servant didn't know which one was the one that God had prepared for Isaac, but Jesus knew and still knows who belongs to his flock. Just like the servant went there so that he can take the bride for his master Isaac, Jesus also came down into this world so that later he can take his bride his church, to his eternal wedding fest. The servant paid the various precious goods, but Jesus paid his own life. For the servant and Isaac, getting a wife was a a very big issue. And then I believe every single man and woman, including myself, is very curious and excited about his or her future spouse. Yet there is something more, much more important than marriage. And that is the promise of God. Please remember, Genesis 24 is not about arranged marriage. The core issue was about the promised land, promise of land. And according to the promise of God in the New Testament, Jesus Christ sacrificed his life so that we may have a right to stay in the eternal promised land. While we are living on this earth, we have our own concerns. It could be anything, marriage, school, finance, relationship, 
Hebrew or Greek exams. And those issues, of course, are very, very serious and important. And we ought to bring all those issues to, in our prayer. However, however, there's a bigger thing that we have to remember above all. That is, that is the in heavenly inheritance that we, we, we will receive. Before we make decisions or ask about marriage, before we ask about finance, job interviews, before we ask about schools and exams, we should ask ourselves, did I ask for the kingdom of God? During his earthly ministry, Jesus Christ performed many miracles for the poor, sick, and lost. He solved so many problems of many people, but all those miracles had one big purpose. That is to testify that Jesus was Son of God, so that people may believe in Him and have eternal life. Jesus always taught the kingdom of God as His primary lesson. Brothers and sisters, the passage in Genesis 24 concludes with a happy ending. And there are two lessons that we can learn from this chapter. First, the promised land, which, is, which was given to Abraham, can be passed from generations to generation. Since Rebekah was a God-fearing woman who lived a godly life, she also played a very significant role of choosing future spouse for his son. God preserved the godly life, godly family line through a pious woman. Second, the promised land, the promise of God gives us blessed life. Isaac and Rebekah were very happy. Genesis 24 happy ending. It says Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Isara, and he married Rebekah. And she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. And Bible is very clear here. When you cherish God's covenant promise, it will surely bring us a happy result. Amen.